0: And welcome to the Change Makers Podcast, where we chat with interesting and engaging individuals here and far about change, making change, living change in their own lives, how they've experienced unimaginable change, and innovative ways people uplift the lives of others. We chat about triumphs over tragedies Mindset matters and how we live out our life's purpose inspirationally. So please join us to be inspired and empowered to be the change you want to see in this world. You know, we can all be change makers in our lives. Here's to the change you're about to bring forth. This is Kimberly Rice, President and Chief Strategist of KLA Marketing Associates, where we talk with some of the greatest business um, and service minds across the country um, to help our listeners grow and advance and to create the career of their dreams by charting their own course and to advance their businesses. So today, I could not be more excited uh, than to welcome my friend Elena Deutsch, and please correct me if that's not the way you pronounce it.
1: It's um, fine. You're very close. Deutsch. <laughs> it's a hard one. It's <laughs> got a um, lot of consonants. <laughs> and,
0: and there is. And there yes, there are. Um, and so um, Elena focuses, um, and I'll tell you a little story about how we met, uh, but Elena focuses on, and her business name is women interested in leaving quotation or parentheses big law. Um, and so when we met serendipitously in Orlando at a mindset retreat recently, um very like I said serendipitously I was at a lunch table she sat down next to me I shared her shared with her what I do and then she's like you're not going to believe this what I do and we knew it was divine it was mm-hmm. absolutely divine so um, <laughs> absolutely so well we will talk more about that but Elena welcome so much to our program today thank you so much
1: Kimberly for having me
0: Absolutely. So let us just get started right out of the gate and share with our listeners, if you would, Elena, a bit about yourself, your professional passion, and a few insights into your professional journey.
1: Okay, so as Kimberly, as you said, the name of my business is WILL. The acronym is WILL. Women Interested in Leaving Big, and the word big is in parentheses with a lowercase b, law. Because if you've been around big law for a while, sometimes you'll see it in the press as like smushed together one word with like a capital B and a capital L. (laughs) Yeah. And I help women lawyers, often who are in private practice, often who are in some of the biggest law firms in the world, who feel really stuck and unhappy. Women who've gone to law school and invested hundreds of thousands of dollars and years of their lives, and they feel incredibly unsatisfied unfulfilled stuck and like they they can't imagine the ne- doing what they're doing for the next 15 years of their lives without having panic attacks without their marriages crumbling without their bodies disintegrating
0: mm. so tell so, us just yeah. from your experience of what you've seen elena why do they feel stuck and unfulfilled
1: I think largely because they were smart girls. (laughs) They were smart girls who got the gold stars and the A's and they're, they love to learn and they're high achieving and they want to do amazing things in the world. And the path that they could see towards that was law school. Mm -hmm. And because they got out of college and they didn't know what else to do perhaps. And that's so true for many of my clients and they we're like, well, I'm good at school. And people say, you can do anything with a law degree. So I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And then they get into law school and they they often really love it because um, I do the finder assessment with all my clients. Sure. And many of them have learner. They love to learn or intellection mm-hmm. as one of their top five natural gifts and talents. And so they get out of law school, which maybe they've enjoyed. And now they're like cutting and pasting contracts or they're working on cases but on like really low level stuff or they even ascend in their work but their work does not feel meaningful and fulfilling and they're not they're not helping people and they often have some ethical indigestion in all honesty Mm. about the kinds of businesses they're representing Mm. in fact i had one new client tell me recently that at her firm they her firm is representing is on the wrong side of a human trafficking case Right. yeah, And she, she managed to stand up for herself and not be on that. But I create the space for my clients to say, you know what, I didn't feel so good about that work I did or yeah. that I'm doing. And I, I really want to change. Mm.
0: So um, we're curious, um, share with us a bit about what led you down this professional path.
1: Sure, because my background I'm not a lawyer. People often ask me that. My background is in public health and training. And I, I worked in HIV and AIDS and family planning and always kind of doing some kind of professional development with people. And then I heard about coaching. And I, after I had a couple of kids, I, I was like, oh, I really want to go back to school for that coaching thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And ever since I, and then I did that, and I felt like I was home. So coaching for, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with it, but it's really about creating the future that we want. Mm -hmm. Therapy often goes back to heal the past, which of course is very important, but coaching is about visualizing and creating that ideal future. And as soon as I started coaching, I attracted lawyers to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Now my dad had been a lawyer. He was a criminal defense attorney and he loved being a lawyer. And he worked in New York City and had a small private practice, uh, one flight up on West Seventy Second Street, and he um, he loved being a lawyer, but he really lost his way, and he had an ethical violation. He embezzled money from a client, and he um, he got arrested and disbarred. Wow! wow. Yeah. And I used to go into the office with him and help him file, you know, I'd like cram his yellow legal notes into his like these stuffed metal filing cabinets. And I would, I would go downtown to court with him. And I just thought it was so awesome. And so my dreams of being a lawyer got, um, I really put it on the way back burner. Mm -hmm. But I have this affinity for lawyers and this admiration for the, the good work that they want to do and the good work my dad really wanted to do as well he really believed everyone has the right to a free trial a fair trial and everyone deserves a good lawyer so he got himself a good lawyer (laughs) unfortunately he didn't go to prison
0: (laughs) oh that's that's an upside (laughs) um you know it's interesting i was i was looking at your linkedin profile and you and i both um living in the northeast we we graduated from the university of north carolina
1: go heels
0: Go heels,
1: go heels. Yeah, I went to I went to public health school there, and public health is a wonderful profession. But I made my own career pivot. Sure. Yeah.
0: Sure. Well, that's that's phenomenal. So uh, we're curious, what propelled you to realize that your mission is to help women lawyers who feel stuck and unhappy?
1: Yeah, so um, so after my career in public health, while I was working in public health is when I went back to get my coach training, and I kept bumping into this friend of mine from high school, and he was doing coaching, and I was doing coaching, and I ended up, he and I ended up forming a business partnership where we were doing leadership development and coaching, and I would um, I would then, through our work, I was in some of the biggest firms in the world and coaching these rising senior associates who are these amazing, bright women. And when I would ask them what their goals were, they mm-hmm. say, do you want to make partner? And they would lean in and say, can I really talk to you about this? Mm. And we would clarify the engagement and say, yes, you can. And often they wanted to do something else, either go in-house or do something else with their degree and their, are smarts, but they wanted to be free from the billable hour and have more control over their lives. Yeah. So it was after that, after a couple of those experiences. And one, I worked with this one woman, she got super clear that she wanted to go to a startup to do in-house work at a startup that had the benefit of unlimited vacation days. Her vacation was always an issue at her firm because she was from Europe and like, they always wanted her to cancel her trips. Home, including like her trip. She had a trip plan to go home for her father's 60th birthday, and they wanted her to cancel her trip. And Mm. she said no. And this became like a a taint on her record, even though she had taken care of the deal, even though she had passed everything off. Right. Um, And so she got that clarity, like unlimited vacation days. And my, we got, I got full body shields when she told me that. Mm. And within three months, she made that leap.
0: Wow. That's oh, and landed
1: at a startup in New York with unlimited vacation days. Oh,
0: wonderful. Isn't and it amazing what happens when we get cl- so clear?
1: Totally. And that summer I was on, I had turned 50 that summer and my mom had died a couple of years earlier. And I, my business partner wanted to take our business in, a, in another direction that I was not excited about. And I kept waking up and then morning like five thirty in the morning and I'd get out of bed and I started writing and journaling and the words women interested in leaving law came out of my pen. Wow and I said that's it that's what I'm doing and yeah. for the past pretty much three years it's been my focus.
0: That's phenomenal um it you know I, and from my point of view you know I've been working with law firms and lawyers for exclusively and now we're broadening um you know for over 25 years and as I was sharing with you, having been in house for tw- almost 20 years, um, it's a rough place. It, it, yeah. c- it can be, I won't say it is uh, unilaterally, but it can be, uh, law firms can be a very, very rough place for everyone, um, which is probably one of the reasons why, like the, um, one of our, the ALM, ALM Intelligence yep. just issued that report on- yep. the study sitting
1: right health. here on my desk, yep. Oh.
0: Um, and it's just, um, it's mind blowing. And I'm so on the, on the one hand, I'm so grateful that they're now shining, you know, a light on what has plagued the legal services world for so long. Um, and, and, and most people that I speak with just socially, when they, you know, hear that I we work with law firms and lawyers and in the context of business development, business growth, you know, oh, I didn't really realize what lawyers had to, you know, have marketing departments or do this or that. And I'm like, yeah. And, and yeah, because they're like a business, like everybody else, um, you know, a little bit of a different approach. However, you know, some of the, some of the anecdotes that I've shared uh, when I worked inside at law firms and, you know, some of the just unbelievable, crazy stories of mental illness. Yeah. Um, that was unleashed. I was the, I was on the receiving end of it several times. Um, and you know, I have a lot of, you know, stories that I use in my work with, with firms and women mm-hmm. lawyers in particular of, you know, the importance of making sure your voice is heard and having the courage and the confidence to do that and setting boundaries and what is and is not acceptable. And, you know, and you, I mean, I get the same response every time. Really, that still happens in first yeah. day. Yeah. I'm like, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh God. So the report is the it's called Walking Out the Door, and it's a report by the American Bar Association and ALM Media, and it just came out. If anyone's listening to this later in November 2019, um, so I absolutely think this report is an amazing step to illuminate what's going on. And I've taken a close look at it. And I, I mean, there's so much that law firms need to change. And like you were saying, you know, you encourage women to have the courage to set the boundaries to speak up. And, you know, one of my clients recently told me she said, she's, she's made partner, I work with women from first year associates up through partner and everything in between <laughs> right, right and and she said you know I'm just I'm tired of um I've done it I've tried I've really yeah. tried yeah. and um I'm no longer willing to make that sacrifice for myself so what's great about this report is it's it's providing a larger conversation it's taking it out of the individual woman who has like stand and be beaten down by the ocean, you know, in a hurricane right. and say, no, I can, I'm gonna keep standing. And, and the system of law firms, the business model, the whole thing is, yeah. is not designed to support people's mental health. I'm not surprised that you've been on the receiving end and I'm sorry to hear it. And not surprised yeah. that when you put so much stress on people in a system that is um, so without any boundaries People get a little crazy.
0: That's and, for sure. I mean, and, that's, and I don't
1: mean that in a demeaning way. And I, I want to clarify. I don't mean like crazy, but like anxiety, every single person I speak with has anxiety.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, you know, we have the stats. I mean, that the folks that are, I mean, there was a whole big you know, report series done by ALM about lawyer mental health. And then the professional, you know, legal professionals spoke up and said, well, hey, what about us? And so they expanded it, expanded the survey and the study. And, you know, it's in my view and and is that after a while, you know, and it's different for every person, but, you know, it's very easy to see how people can, you know, get beat down. They have leading lawyers have the leading, um, some of the leading stats of depression and suicide and substance abuse and divorce. And I mean, it's just not a sustainable, and this is, we're talking about some firms, not every firm, right the larger the firm, the higher the probability, um, because we've worked with firms, there's smaller firms that are very familial and very cordial and, you know, and there's, there's things about that as well, but but looking at it, it's like it just can eat your soul from the inside out, and yeah. you know it can be very, very toxic. And when you have, um, particularly, you know, I'm just, men suffer too in a different way. But um, yeah. we am talking about women. Um, but women, when women don't feel appreciated and they feel demeaned and condescended, and the glass ceiling keeps getting lower and lower and lower, you know, you it's just not sustainable on any level.
1: That that's that's right it's not it's not sustainable and i think what's great about this report is hopefully there's there's really an invitation for women to truly participate in the problem solving yes my concern about this report are, t- are two things one they interview the people who are still in firms and they acknowledge this, but in their sampling methodology, right? I do a master's in public health. I know something about research methodology is their sampling method is, was to go to firms. So they spoke with men and women and they over, they oversampled women, which was right to do. So they had equal numbers and managing partners, but of people who've stayed in firms. So they're asking them essentially, why do you think women leave? So the the very women who are really the subject of the study are invisible in it. Right. They are not present. Now, granted, this is the first of four phases. So my hope is, of course, they will actually get to women's stories Mm -hmm. who have left, who've chosen to leave, because as of this point, it's conjecture.
0: Right, right. Yes.
1: I, I, do think they're, I do think they're absolutely pointing in the right direction. I do think the, the people who stay do have a very good sense of why people leave. I don't think it's, I, I think they're really on the right track. And yet I just have to acknowledge that the women they're really trying to research are invisible in it.
0: Yeah, so I, I hope that's in
1: the, common. Hope that's part of the problem, right? right?
0: Exactly, I hope in, in um, subsequent phases that they actually interview the women who left
1: exactly exactly and of course that's that's my hope as well yeah because um there's there's a lot of stories and one of my professors in public health used to say that data are stories with the tears wiped away yes so you know we're not hearing about those women with their their 3am wake up and why why they left and nobody leaves a a prestigious, socially acceptable, you know, something with a lot of status and money job easily. No. The women I work with and speak with often have a lot of dissonance Mm -hmm. about leaving and it's not an easy decision and it took them a long time to become a lawyer and for many it does not, they don't leave overnight either.
0: So share with us, I, I absolutely agree, because um, on the outside, it looks so rosy, <laughs> right? It's kind of like a domestic violence family, you know, from the outside, everybody's smiling and going on trips and driving, you know, all the material things that come with, you know, have the high level of accomplishment. Um, but then when you're in on the inside being demeaned and you're you know not being able to live up to your you know, your potential and your best self because of being oppressed, um, it's not, it's just, that's just not healthy in any way. So speaking of health and and moving back to, you know, the work that you do, the important work that you do. So provide to us or share with us a little bit about, you know, what it looks like, you know, how do you know, how do women come to you? How do you know that a woman lawyer needs your help or or when do women come to you for your help?
1: Yeah, and I want I want to first speak. I will do that, and I just want to touch on, on since you're a marketing program, and just acknowledge that you know marketing is about solving a problem, right at its very root.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I I have a very obviously niche business, and I love that I have a niche business. I feel like I'm really speaking to people who have a very very profound problem. There are those women who are like, shit, I invested, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. No worries. worries. You can always clean that up if need be, but like I invested all this time and money. I don't know what else to do. I feel stuck. So they have a a real pain and they come to me through lots of different ways through hearing me on a podcast or in, I've been in above the law a couple of times and or somehow they're Googling and they, they land on me. And I have a conversation with them and then share with them that um, there's essentially five steps to this process. There's their mindset, which is we met at the mindset retreat, right? So it's about be- believing that they can, thinking new thoughts, noticing the voice of the inner critic and learning how to turn the volume on that down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there's figuring out like really who they are, which many of them have never done that kind of soul searching and taking stock of what they love to do and their interests. Um, Nor do they really believe when we start working together that they actually could do it.
0: Mm.
1: And so, but they go through that self-discovery process of like, what do I love? What lights me up? What are my natural gifts and talents? how might that take shape in the world? So that brings us to the next step, which is like really helping them see new appealing possibilities.
0: Uh, And that must be quite a lot of breakthroughs.
1: Oh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And then we brainstorm a list of things that they could do given all that they love and, and are good at and want to do. And then they prioritize that. And then they start talking to people and doing research and study, which is the next phase. And having conversations and one of the things that that i say a lot to my clients is conversations are key you can do only so much through the google you gotta get on the phone with people talk to people and one thing leads to another right um so one of my clients and she was in the pilot group she's in the bay area she through that process she discovered she had two two top things that she was going for one was to work in in winery operations, which would be super cool. She lives in in Northern California. And the other was to do real estate development, not in a legal role, but in like a project management leadership role for real estate. And through that very process that I just described, she did all that. And then she started talking to people and one thing led to another. And she has a great job at a real estate development company doing what she calls epic real estate development work for you know, a company that's concerned about sustainability. So it aligns with her values and she's super happy.
0: Isn't that wonderful? Yeah,
1: great. <laughs> Other clients, some go in-house and they they just want to get out of big law and out of the way from the billable hour. And others like open their own firms. I've got a few clients who are opening their own firms. One of my clients wants to go back to school to be a nurse practitioner. And another has gotten herself out of all of her law school debt and she really wants to build a speaking career she's very funny she's hilarious she's very um she's got a lot of natural influencing skills and she wants to be a speaker and inspire other women to get out of debt and take charge of their lives
0: wow that's phenomenal you know so in with all that experience and all the anecdotes and the work that you do so it's such sacred work Mm. um, where thank you women, women are opening up you know, the core of their themselves and their lives and trusting you um, to, you know, to be that safe place to help them move and advance in their lives. Um, You know, what are your thoughts on, you know, the legal landscape, you know, what it should be on notice for um, as far as, you know, I I just looked up this morning that according to the ABA, women represent 52% of the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're now over, you know, the majority, um, but what, what would you offer as far as, you know, what do law firms specifically need to do to be a more sustainable and um, viable workplace for women?
1: I think law firms actually really, if they want to survive in really well into the 21st century, they have to take a hard look at the business model. Mm -hmm. And right now I think my hunch is, I'm not inside, so I don't really know. There's, I imagine there's a lot of, well, it ain't broke, so don't fix it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because they're making plenty of money.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think they actually really need to create space for women at the table in a significant way. And you and I were talking about another colleague who I think you know, who, who helped me, she and I were having a conversation and she helped me see that, you know, the profession needs women. Our culture needs women Mm -hmm. because, and women lawyers, because lawyers write the (laughs) laws, lawyers shape our culture. They, they create the guardrails for our society and, and we need more women to help, create a culture that's more inclusive and loving and, and cares deeply about people. Mm -hmm. And I think law firms will be well advised to, to genuinely do that.
0: It's, you know, it's, it's a tough nut to crack given um, the historical male dominance. Um, It's now just shifting in the last, maybe 10 years or so, which is nothing compared to how long it's been, you know, in existence. Right. And um, I just remember my first law firm position here in um, Center City, Philadelphia, that you came in and, you know, you're, was an all-male management governing team, mm-hmm. governance structure, um, I think it was likely all male, if not 90% all male practice group leaders, which is kind of the level below. And then you had the administrative, um, department chairs, which were some ma- women like HR and
1: mm-hmm,
0: some mm-hmm. of the historically or traditional female roles. Um, I was often the first female marketing director. Um, mm-hmm first in firms, but what we saw, and and there was this pervasive culture and attitude um, that whatever the lawyer said was right, and that you're not supposed to question the lawyer, regardless, that was just, that was it, you said something, that was it. And I never bought into that, (laughs) you know, I have a rebel con nonconformist in me. And of course I had to adapt my behavior to survive in that environment. Mm -hmm, mm And you know, as I aged and grew more confident and and took on roles in larger firms and I, you know, had a seat at the table, which I was usually always the only woman at that Mm -hmm. table. Um, that was not particularly popular, um, my voice sometimes, and, and, you know, some, that, that calls for courage, Um, but, um, you know, because you have to bear the consequences of your behavior, your words, and, you know, I got, uh, I had some pain over that for a little bit, but. I'm sure,
1: I'm sure you (laughs) caught it, I'm sure, I'm sure you Um, caught it, yeah,
0: but it's, uh, it was, it was an interesting journey, but, Um, But that was, you know, to to think that 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 is just kind of a dictatorial culture Mm. that whatever the lawyer says is right. That's I just I I just was struck at how people (sighs) just ginger, ginger, ginger fleck over that.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think that's I'm not surprised that that was your experience. And no doubt you're a bit of a spitfire, the little I know you. (laughs) And I'm sure, you know, And I think there's in our larger culture, right? women who speak up, women who um, make waves. Women who don't just sit there and look pretty and keep their mouths shut get labeled all sorts of terrible words. Right. And that double standard of, you know, when a man is assertive and goes for it, he's called all kinds of good things. And when a woman does, she's, we know what they call her. (laughs) So, um, You know, I think one of the things that might help in law firms is something like what we're doing now. I think the rise of podcasts is because we love to hear each other's stories. And we miss sitting around the campfire or, you know, the hearth and telling stories. And I think, you know, I'd like to go back to that, what I said before, I think data are stories with the tears wiped away. And in this report, the walking out the door report, there's tremendous rates of sexual harassment, and women being mistaken for a, quote, low-level employee, and 0% of men. So the guys have no idea. And I think if they were to really sit down, and, and if there was, and this is in my fantasy world, right? Because I do not think it feels safe in most law firms to, for something like this to happen, at least not yet, uh, for women to really share their stories and for men to really listen.
0: Yes. You know, we, I have a, a colleague, friend named Julie Kratz that um, we discussed on a podcast not too long ago. Um, she's, um, she focuses a lot on men as allies. Great. Meaning equality, because there are plenty of men, particularly, of course. I wouldn't say particularly younger men, but um, there are some wonderful, wonderful men that have given safe haven to women lawyers in their firms as protectors.
1: Yeah. And women who, and men, we mean men to say, hey guys, let's let her talk. Or, oh, you know what? Kimberly just made that point two minutes ago. Let's go with Kimberly's idea. <laughs> like all, I mean, we know the classic stuff. What happens? A woman speaks up and says something, she gets ignored. And a couple of minutes later, a guy might say the same thing and everyone's behind that. And it's unconscious. There's all this unconscious bias, right? So there's, there's so much opportunities Um, But I really, if any people in law firms are listening and care, I I think they know already. (laughs) I don't think anyone who's a managing partner at a firm will be surprised by these data. They count every dollar. They count every minute. They know. Yeah. They see who leaves. They know how much they get paid. They know what's going on. So So it's time to like have the 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 cojones to really do something about it to put in the daycare centers oh come on please like really that hasn't happened yet
0: yes I to do,
1: do what to listen to the women well i mean the changes gonna, that I they mean, need to make
0: yeah now yeah, there's going to be a day of reckoning i believe you know i mean as the as you know, there doesn't seem to be a slowdown, at least as we can see, that women are entering the, I mean, the slowdown of entering the profession has not, has not slowed down. Um, we're not seeing that. And so, you know, there's going to come a time where, you know, if women comprise 60% of a law firm, you know, there's going to be a rising up. <laughs> I, I look forward to that day. But let let's, let's hope,
1: let's hope. And until, you know, until then, I, I just want to encourage women who, Feel like you know what? I'm done. I've had my f it moment. Yeah. I'm done. I recently spoke with a woman, and maybe this is a good story to for me to to wrap with. I recently spoke with a woman who is one of the youngest women partners at. It's probably one of the top five terms uh, firms in the world. Mm. And she called me from you know out on the street because. People are often afraid to speak to me from within their offices. And she told me the story of being at her daughter's birthday party. Uh, Her daughter was turning, I think six or seven, something like that. And she was upstairs in her, her childhood bedroom. It was at her parents' house and she was working on a weekend at her daughter's birthday party. And her parents came and banged on the door and said, it's time to come sing happy birthday to your daughter. And she came downstairs and they sang happy birthday to her daughter and she lost it. She broke down in tears. Oh. And this is a message for every woman who, out there who's lost it at your partner, at your spouse, at your kids, at a junior, at an assistant, at yourself, to know that you're not alone and you have what it takes. Yeah. To change your life,
0: and, I, often and we don't
1: we don't have to wait for the rising up. You can rise up right now,
0: right now. And often it you know the change typically starts with changing our thoughts.
1: Mm. Yes, change and I, our- I, mm-hmm. that's exactly where we start because it's the game. It's an internal game, Kimberly. Yeah,
0: certainly is. Well, that that is very. Heartfelt and um, very profound and moving. And, you know, I, that's my heart is uplifting and empowering women um, professionals to to go forward and create the career and then and, and in turn to create the, the life of their dreams. And so many women, I'm sure you see this too, that regardless of their educational credentials, their socioeconomic standing, you know, it, regardless of all of that, we are, you know, we are human beings, women. and to ha- to find the courage
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, to overcome the fear, mm-hmm. which is huge, you know, yes, it's huge. I mean, there's so many fears, mm-hmm. um, and, and move forward in their lives to not stay stuck in their jobs or their marriages or their families or their, whatever it is, you know, right. I mean, because, you know, as we know with working with uh, bold heart, you know, we're here for a purpose and, and we are compelled to shine our you know, unique brilliance uh, because the world needs us.
1: Yes, yeah. that's the rising up right there is, is, is to rise up to overcome the fear, to ask oneself, what's at risk if I do this? And then what's at risk if I don't?
0: You don't, exactly. Um, so this is wonderful, this is so invigorating. Um, I, I always, I wanna ask you a question, one of my favorite questions that I ask all of our guests and that is, If you could give your younger self a one piece of professional advice, what would that be?
1: Trust your gut.
0: Trust your gut. Yes. That inner voice. That
1: inner voice.
0: Yes. Yeah. Amen, sister. All right. (laughs) Virtual
1: high five.
0: (laughs) So thank you so much, um, Elena, for joining us today. This is such a, a topic near and dear to my heart because it just is, Having worked with women lawyers for so many many years, I see how they suffer yeah. needlessly. I would say nobody right. should be afraid to come to work. Nobody should be having anxiety attacks or breaking down at their children's birthday parties. I mean, right. this, you know, it's learning how to untangle ourselves from what we thought we wanted when we were maybe ten years younger than we are today, or fifteen years, or whatever. But um, so I want our, I want to share with our listeners a way that they can connect with you. And so I would ask that you share, you know, what's the best way for folks to um, connect with you?
1: Sure, Uh, I think the best way is through my website, which is womeninterestedinleavinglaw.com. So it's all one word, it's long, (laughs) but it's womeninterestedinleavinglaw.com. And you can book a call with me through that or send me, go to the contact page and send me a message. Um, You can also find me on LinkedIn. Happy to chat on LinkedIn.
0: Wonderful. Well, this wraps up another episode of Secret Sauce Marketing Tastings. Uh, I hope this is useful for everyone, our listeners. This is such a wonderful topic. And uh, we're going to be bringing in some um, guests coming up in the new year um, beyond law, which is just my particular um, affinity at the moment. But we're going to expand this conversation into other professional services industries in the year to come. And so uh, we want to uplift and inspire women um, everywhere um, because we're all in this together. So thank you so much, Elena. Uh, And this is a wrap and uh, we'll see you again soon.